presented by Google. But without supplemental funding, we're rapidly coming to an end of our ability to help Ukraine respond to the urgent operational demands that it has. Putin is banking on the United States failing to deliver for Ukraine. We must, we must, we must prove him wrong. Hey, good morning. I'm Playbook co-author Eugene Daniels. It's Wednesday, December 13th, and that was President Joe Biden during a press conference on Tuesday after his meeting with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. As you probably heard, Zelensky was in Washington, D.C. over the last couple of days. He met with the Speaker of the House, the House Minority Leader, and a closed-door all-senators briefing, all with one goal in mind— to convince members of Congress to give Ukraine more aid, and more importantly, to do it quickly. It's not that there isn't a majority in the House and the Senate to give aid to Ukraine. It's about the border. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell made it plain on Tuesday that a deal on aid and the border would be, quote, practically impossible by the end of this year. After his meetings on the Hill, President Zelensky met with Vice President Kamala Harris and also President Biden separately. President Biden and President Zelensky had a press conference on Tuesday afternoon. One thing that was interesting that we heard was President Biden sounding a little less confident about aid than ever before. He used the term as long as we can versus as long as it takes, which is small, but but does tell you a little bit about the realities of what's going on right now. The president did announce $200 million of already authorized money to head over to Ukraine, but it's possible that's the last tranche for a while. Joining me now to talk about Zelensky's trip and President Biden's interesting comments about Israel and the Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu is our good friend, national security reporter and co-author of the NatSec Daily newsletter, Alex Ward. Morning, Alex. Hi, good to be back. Good to see you. I want to talk about Zelensky. He came to D.C. for two days. It felt kind of like a Hail Mary pass. He was met with a lot of Republicans basically saying this isn't going to get done in the time period you want to get done. And it's possible it may never get done. So I guess, was he successful? Did did his reason for coming here, convincing them on Tuesday when he spoke with leaders that they should do this, they should give more money, more guns and weapons to Ukraine? Was he successful in that? I mean, it's a weird one to judge that way. And the reason is... The reason we're not getting any Ukraine legislation passed this moment is because of a border deal over which he has no control. Yeah. And no dog in the fight. And no dog in the fight. And on top of that, like he has the votes. Yeah. That's the thing is when the border deal gets done, he has the votes. Uh, You've heard Speaker Mike Johnson say, look, we're not going to put up a Ukraine aid bill until we get that border policy dispute done. You're hearing Senate Republicans say the same thing. So in a weird way, he came to rally support for support he already has. Right. The the sticking block is something he has no control over. That said, he was able to make his point to lawmakers, to President Biden, mm-hmm. to a set of constituents here in town. Our own reporting shows that he's basically making the case that he needs more Patriot missiles to defend Ukrainian cities. And that's you know a message that he's trying to deliver. Anyway, it's successful in the sense that the thing he wants is within his reach. It's just he really has no control over how to get it. I want to shift to President Biden and Israel. On Tuesday at a campaign reception in D.C., he 
My favorite thing about Joe Biden is that sometimes he's so off script when he gets in front of folks at these campaign receptions, almost as if he doesn't remember that it is, you know, there's a full pool and <laughs> everyone's going to report it. And there's a transcript that actually comes from the White House. Um, and Tuesday, President Biden said some things about Bibi Netanyahu and Israel that kind of perked a lot of ears. One, he said that they were losing support because of basically indiscriminate bombing that folks have been seeing. And he also said, quote, I think he has to change. And with this government, this government in Israel is making it very difficult for him to move. So I guess as someone who's been covering this very, very closely, these are, seem surprising. They seem like a, a change in tone, especially the idea of the public idea that Israel's losing support. But that last part also very fascinating. Yeah, let's take each in turn. Yeah. And I want to start with the, the second one first. So the part about that, you know, the government in Israel doesn't make it make it easy for him to move. It is a far right government. It is a government that has not been particularly friendly, let's say, to the plight of Palestinians in the long running Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And so if Netanyahu wanted to moderate his stance in any sense in terms of uh, a two-state process, which is basically dead at this point, mm-hmm. in terms of the war, it's unlikely because his coalition is barely held together. And it is held together by right-wing folks in Israeli politics. So in that part, Biden is actually giving, I think, a, a relatively fair analysis of Netanyahu's political situation. Now, of course, Netanyahu is the prime minister. He has power. Mm-hmm. He could decide to do things. But that is the problem with coalition and parliamentary politics right. is that you know they can fall apart pretty easily. So he has to cater to a right base, a right of him base that cares more about being let's say, tougher yeah. on the Palestinian issue. The first part actually is what stuck out to me most. The administration has been pretty clear from the beginning. They're going to support Israel, but they want them to care more about the plight of Palestinians and civilians and humanitarian issues. And anytime any reporter asks, hey, are they, you know, is Israel following the laws of war and the way they bomb? They go, well, we're not here to, to you know, tell judge them what it. to do. Right. Tell them what to do and judge every situation. Well, now you have the president of the United States accusing Israel of indiscriminate bombing. Now, that <laughs> is off message. Uh-huh, just a little bit. <laughs> it's off message. And it is also a statement by the United States saying that Israel is not necessarily abiding by the laws of war. It will be hard for the administration now to sort of push back on that and any time a reporter asks. So for me, I think, you know, that second part got a lot of early attention. Yeah. But that is sort of a more political analysis in Netanyahu's situation. The first one is, I would say, the greatest ma- the greatest break really between the U.S. and Israel on Israel's conduct of the war. And it feels like the first one has more legs, right? The idea that the president is, you know, he's in charge, so he can be changing everyone's, the way everyone's about to talk about it. Um, we will have to see. But do you think that, what is the impact of President Biden saying that, of saying that Israel is doing indiscriminate bombing and that they're losing support so publicly? What, what actually happens to the relationship between the United States and Israel. It's something that when we ask aides why President Biden has operated the way he has, they say because he and Bibi have known each other a long time. And the only reason they've been able to get some of the concessions out of the Israeli government is because they've known each other and that he's operating. But this is a shift. What, what do you think are the impacts of that later on down the road? Well, let's remember that in May 2021, there was a much, much, much smaller Israel-Hamas war. And that strategy there was effectively the same one now, which is hug in public, criticize in private, and over time, start to criticize more. Yeah, yeah. I think we are starting to reach the criticize more public stage. (laughs) Just a little bit. And this is basically to go like, look, you know, BB, I've had your back for two-ish months now, more than two months. 
And now it's time to start to shift course, or at least now. Well, if we take those two initial comments, right, if he's got problems moving with his right coalition, Mm -hmm. maybe them seeing that Biden is being more openly vocal gives Netanyahu a chance to go to them and be like, look, we've got to change something here. The American president's coming after us. Yeah, So I'm not sure it's that calculated, but like that's (laughs) – that is a possibility yeah. here. And so this is effectively what they were doing in May 2021. Again, that, that ended in, in 11 days. So I think that could be an outcome here that now Israel feels that there's more pressure coming from the U.S. And, and there is. I mean, there's no way to really walk this back. And if and if the White House does do that, then the only, it won't be Israel just losing support. Yeah. Many other things happening. Alex Ward, as always, thank you for coming on. Now go write that fabulous newsletter of yours, and we'll have you back soon. I'll do my best. Thanks. (laughs) And for your schedule today, the Senate and the House are both in, and President Biden will be delivering remarks at a meeting of the National Infrastructure Advisory Council, among other things that most of us won't get to see today. I'm Eugene Daniels. Thanks for listening.